Episode 157 of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast, Rugby Ridge. I'm back on the show last this week after having a break last week, too busy away from the world of rugby doing actual work, paid work. But uh, we're back again and we've got a great show tonight. We've got to look ahead at the South Africa Test with some very guest, special guests later on. But before we get there, we've got uh, Wallaby Legend. Uh, now, just give me some time here. We've got a Reeds Legend, Waratah Legend, Force Legend. Uh, anyone I missed there, Brendan Cannon, that's, that's everyone. Uh, rugby, the, the term legend is, is too loosely used these days, Rich, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, Brendan, we're uh, really privileged to have you on the show and uh, look forward to some insights. So let's go, get straight to it, Kenna. You were famous. There's some great uh, footage of you taking on Mialamu. Um, he's still playing. <laughs> You're not. But that aggressiveness, that we is that what we're missing? What's the key to our, our uh, turning this around against the All Blacks? What are we missing? Well, Oh, Reg, it, um, it was like <clears throat> I was heartened by that draw in Sydney. But, I mean, I, there's, there's two things for me. In, in professional rugby these days, how can we not have a result? How can there not be an outcome? So they've got to look at ways in which every game that's played in professional rugby cannot finish in a draw. I mean, other codes are doing it. Why are we so far behind and still allowing in a game that we're wanting to promote as being the greatest game in the world that they, people can still walk away with that that awkward feeling, just not really sure how the game unfolded or how it ended up being a draw. So the IRB need to look at, and SANS are in particular, need to look at how they structure the tournaments in terms of getting an ultimate outcome. And I think that test in Sydney probably warranted that because both sides were wanting to play um, and it just had that awkward ending. You know, just, it just finished. Um, yeah, so well. first, and, first and foremost, I think we need to get you know, move in the right direction and make sure we do get outcomes from every game that is played. Um, but the flow-on from that, for me, uh, in that following week was really interesting. Um, you know, the All Blacks, rightly so, there was some comfort in the fact that we'd stopped their world record attempt, and it was the second time, I think, in three years the Wallabies have done that. Um, but we had to appreciate what the backlash from that was going to be. And the difference in seven days was so astoundingly... You know, the contrast was so significantly different. Um, we really poked the black bear um, the, 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 in that Sydney test. And then the way we were talking um, about weaknesses in the all-black side and Ryan Crotty was a target and Steve Hansen needs to talk, you know, needs to get over the fact that referees are getting harder in the all-blacks. There was a sense of confidence, which is good, but it was, it was bordering on sort of arrogance from the Wallabies, which really fired up the all-blacks. And when you play them, they are such a good side. They are such a consistently good side, you know, to be revered in many ways because of their consistency. Why were we so insipid in that game when so much was riding on it and we knew exactly what the All Blacks were going to be like? They were filthy. That The previous week, the Wallabies had, you know, stifled that momentum that they'd built up over the previous 17 tests. And we were so far off the pace, um... You know, I, I remember looking at the time when Richie McCaw was off and thinking, this is a chance for us to really get some ascendancy here, but it was completely reversed and the All Blacks had it all. So psychologically, the Wallaby playing group lost a lot in that 10 minutes when they should have gained more. And the All Blacks, you know, whilst they were down a man, played as though they had 30 men on the field. And the game was gone at, in that moment and we were never in the hunt. You know, it just was a really disappointing, disappointing night. You're right, Kenneth, but why is that? I mean, you've been in that environment. What what makes a team when they they know they're going to be up for it? You know, we've talked all week, or it's been in the press all week, about what the challenge is going to be playing at Eden Park, and they know they've got to come out of the gate firing from the start. What is it? Is it the coaching something wrong? Is that the coach's responsibility or the players just not stepping up as a whole? Because it was remarkable. That was exactly it, and it is the word, because... They were missing. 
Yeah, they were. Well, it's, it's not so. It's not so much the coach. The coach can do everything, fine tune it, but then the players are the ones that represent the cake, and and get out there and, and dance, you know, with with the opposition. And you know, they're the ones that are ultimately responsible for being at the coalface for eighty minutes. And it's just something about this playing group that you know, I, I really, I'm very confident that we've got a really talented group, and they can do something significant. But their rugby journey is far from complete, and they still have a long way to go. And I think. The challenge they've got coming into this week against the Springboks is even greater now because all that tremendous work that we built up and all the momentum we'd created off that draw against the All Blacks was completely shot out of the park in the insipid 80-minute performance uh, at Eden Park. And psychologically, I don't know, you know, why those players weren't in a better space, weren't physically in a better space, didn't present themselves to be willing to die for the cause because. Everything was riding on it. It was history-making, you know, an opportunity for those guys. And we were so far off the pace from the, from the first minute and even to the very end. Whilst it was encouraging that they finished, you know, with a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a flurry, um, but the way all elements of the game, the All Blacks passing, the skill execution was crisp. Ours was behind the man. You know, we, we lacked structure. We lacked flu- fluidity in the way in which we should have been attacking in multiple phases. You know, I, it, I suppose that if there is a criticism on top of everything else, I really do think the Curly Beale experiment was, was such a flawed one from the very beginning. Um, he's a fantastic player, but why change that Bernard Foley-Nick Phipps combination when they've done so wonderfully well with the Waratahs? Give it, he's not an X-Factor type player like Curtly, but you know what you're going to get. Yeah. And Curtly was very lateral in the way in which he attacked in both tests, and that put so much pressure on his outside backs. And defending against someone that's running across field is so easy compared to someone that's got you, you know, questioning, is he going to take us on? Is he going to go? What's going to happen? And Stephen Larkin was so, so good at that because his first instinct was to go forward and then he had that beautiful crisp left and right passing, whereas Kirtley tends to go lateral, and that does nothing in terms of pressuring the opposition. So, you know, Kirtley did what he could, did the best he could, but he's not an international 10. He may be in time, but at the moment he's not. So, I mean, Linky, as good a coach as he is, really, you know, made a major boo-boo by picking Kirtley Beal, thinking it was going to be a dramatic X factor, but it was a dramatic, yeah, it was a shocker. So, Kat, I think you made the suggestion that he was picked somewhat to keep him away from league. Do you reckon he's been dropped now? We're happy to see him go? Or? <laughs> I, I did an interview with a radio station in New Zealand, and it was interesting that Steve Hansen then picked it up and then threw it back at, um, back at you know, the, the AAU and the Wallabies. But it just seems strange when he hadn't been... I mean, I'm always always cautious about players that get picked technically out of position yeah. from, a, from a position they've been playing in at you know, Waratah Super Rugby level. And the Waratahs had a, you know, a phenomenal year. They really did, and all credit to them. But why then put someone who hadn't played in 10, into 10 in two significant tests, you know, well, particularly the first test? Um, it just put a lot of pressure on him, put a lot of pressure on that playing group. It would have caused a little bit of friction, not publicly spoken about, but a lot of the guys would have been really, you know, peeved that Bernard had been dropped because Bernard had had such a standout year. So it's a huge, huge challenge for this group against, you know, a, a big, big Springbok forward pack. Um, and, and our question is that the forwards were very lacklustre in that All Black test. We got monstered. I mean, we got we were half a pace off off in attack and half a pace. You know, in defence, we were conceding so many, so many passive engagements or encounters um, physically at the breakdown and, and defensively that we so much contributed to the All Blacks just getting such a roll on. But um, and that's an attitudinal thing, I think, Reg. Yeah. I really do think the Wall- I really do think the Wallabies, you know, were comfortable with what had happened in Sydney. But you know, do we really want to be the number one side in the world? Does this playing group really want to challenge the status quo, or are they? happy to be content that near enough's good enough? That's that's the real question. Well, that's a question. I think it's a question we're all asking because I couldn't believe the gap that was so apparent in that test match. From the basic level, just skill. The catch and pass of the All Blacks was infinitely better than the Wallabies. And, and obviously there's, there's gaps across the park. Are we a feasible chance of closing that gap? I mean, at least before next year's Rugby World Cup, do you think? Oh, I definitely do. I mean, I think... 
we're really fortunate that we get to play in the um, in the rugby championship. You know, Argentina are a huge, huge improver and will benefit enormously from being involved in you know this revised Tri Nations format. And technically, you know, clearly the All Blacks are the number one side in the world. We get to play them regularly. We get to benchmark ourselves against them. The Springboks are always in the top three sides in the world, so we're playing them regularly. You know, it's a it's a wonderful sort of format formula for us to test ourselves against. You know, good quality opposition on a regular basis. And I think the difference between those three sides is not that great, but it can be as simple as the fundamentals have got to be spot on and your execution skill-wise have got to be superb every minute of every half uh, and for the full 80. And it can simply come down to just that momentum shift. And the Richie McCaw sin bidding, as pleasing as it was for... All other supporters, other than all black supporters, that the referees are finally, you know, cracking down on the way in which Richie pushes the boundaries of the, you know, the, the rule interpretation. It flipped a switch in that all black side that really stepped them up, and we didn't grasp how big a difference it would be for them. We would have thought they're going to be exposed that their spiritual leader, their, you know, their inspirational captain was off the field. Well, come on, boys, he's gone. So there's 14 other all blacks they're going to that are going to stand up, and they did, and they monstered a Wallaby side that should have taken control in that 10 minutes. And, and is any of that a captaincy issue from our perspective, or I guess broader leadership issue? I mean, Hooper's obviously only very uh, uh, young in terms of age, but also experience. Um, is he the right man for the job at the moment, you think? I, I think he's an outstanding player, and I think he is a very capable leader. But what was really disappointing also in that, in that test was how we consistently infringed yeah. and gave the All Blacks easy option and easy passage out of pressure situations. You know, Scott Fardy's a fantastic player um, and um, and Nick White is a fantastic player, but my God, they can concede some penalties. And that can cause enormous frustration in a playing group because everyone's doing the best that they can. Everyone's buying into the policy of putting pressure on the opposition, but every time someone, and it's an individual thing, makes a mistake or infringes or does something that shows that they don't truly respect or trust, you know, I suppose the policy of defence or attack, it completely puts the pressure back on that playing group. And we consistently did that in that game. And that was when a really good leader, you know, and maybe he's a little bit inexperienced, maybe, but a really good leader would have pulled them all in and just said, next guy that, you know, makes an infringement, I'm going to see if you can get subbed off because we don't need any more pressure than yeah, what we're right. already under. Yep. And we're, and we're giving it to ourselves when we don't have to. We should be giving it to them. Why make it harder for ourselves by us being, you know, um, irresponsible and, and not having that commitment to the Wallaby jersey? Mate, can I ask just on that point, has that ever, I mean, has that ever happened to you in a game? I'm not, I mean, you specifically. Has the captain ever dictated someone needs to be replaced for performance or ill discipline that you've experienced? No, but but, but you have a stern enough word in, in yeah. a in a you know in, in a huddle, and you put everyone on notice, and you, all you need is someone to look you in the eye and say, "Come on, boys, let's take half a yard back defensively. Yeah. Let's keep, keep our hands out of the ruck. Let's not give them any momentum or give the referee any excuse to find something wrong with what we're doing." Let's get up the notch in the intensity. Let's be hard, fast, and be brutal at the breakdown. But let's not, you know, push the boundary because it's hard enough as it is at the moment. We don't need to make it harder. And mistakes such as that in ill-discipline just make it so much harder because you're just constantly questioning what's this guy doing? Why does he keep making these, these infringements? Why collapse them all when, you know, all we, have, all we have to do is just try and, you know, defend it hard and defend it the way we can why do we have to keep putting pressure on ourselves? And that, you know, that's just a really disappointing thing when you're playing and you're in that moment and it, and it is intense and you're trying to do the best you can. And mistakes, some mistakes that cause penalties definitely aren't deliberate, but it comes down to having a clear state of mind and being very conscious and really cautious about how you approach the breakdown and specific elements of the game that you know the referees are going to be hard on. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked attitudinal. I guess one of the things that a lot of the fans on our forum at least bring up is the fact that we are missing players. Do you reckon that's a fact? I mean, are some of these key players, is there someone that out there that's not playing, whether it be a Cooper or Genia or Big Kev's back this week or Pocock or Moore or Tatafu that, you know, can facilitate this turning around, do you reckon? I mean, experience can never be replaced. 
and and you've got a lot of those guys there that you just mentioned. All of them have got fantastic experience and have you know played wonderfully well for the Wallabies every time they've played. Could there be that leadership void with those experienced campaigners not being there? One would have to say there obviously is because you've got a lot of relatively newcomers to the Test arena, you know, trying to apply their trade on the back of good, you know, good consistent Super Rugby form are there, but. At the end of the day, you need a good hard head to be able to look them all in the eye and say, "Okay, boys, no more penalties for the next ten. You know, let's go hard, let's be let's be brutal, but you know, let's just err on the side of safety and be cautious rather than loading the pressure back up on ourselves because these guys have got a bit of a roll on. Let's not give them a hand. Let's not make their you know momentum easier for them by us allowing them to get into our half. Let's just have a blanket policy: no more penalties." Okay, well, let's look ahead at this week. We obviously take on the box this weekend over in Perth, and the team's just been named today, and and uh, you've probably all heard it all already by the time you hear the podcast, but obviously a few changes. Ashley Cooper's been moved to the wing for the injured and now retired uh, Pat McCabe. Kurandrani comes in to his position at centre. The Waratahs, Foley and Phipps, will now start ahead of Kirtley and Nick Watt, uh, with both those players dropping to the bench. And then cousin Jimmy Hansen, uh, Cano. Uh, Jim Hansen will start his first test at hooker, obviously replacing the injured Nathan Charles and a few changes on the bench with Flanger coming in. Uh, Hall and Higginbotham on the bench, uh, big Will Skelton dropping out of the squad. Matty Hodgson comes on for a, a 6-2 spread on the, the bench. How do you feel about those changes, mate? Uh, I, I think a lot of them um, are really sound changes, or, you know, encouraging changes. Some of them obviously are forced through you know, the, the, the unfortunate circumstance with Pat McCabe and thankfully he can still walk and he's still got, you know, capability and full functionality but, you know, a, a fearless warrior. So hats off to Pat McCabe and you never like to finish in a way that you weren't predicting that you'd go out but, you know, he's gone out at the highest level so he's got no shame in doing that. But his forced retirement has obviously forced that shuffle. And I love Tirandrani is a very good, powerful, purposeful mm-hmm. runner. He's direct. And that's probably what we missed. I mean, we had what was perceived to be a good defensive centre pairing, but they weren't overly penetrative or penetrative. And that's what we miss. And, you know, with Chiba coming in at number two, fantastic reward for him. He's, you know, he's been a wonderful, consistently good player for the Reds. And now he gets to test himself. Some may say by default, but hey, he's playing for the Wallabies and he, this weekend, is the best number two in Australia for the Wallabies. So irrespective of how it's all happened, Chibba's the man. And it's fantastic for him that he gets to benchmark himself you know, and Victor Matfield whilst he might be 37 years of age. You know, he clearly is such an influence come line-out time, not only in their own, in the Springboks attacking line-out, but then also defensively. And it, it, it can... It, it's just a fantastic way for a hooker to, to benchmark himself and to test himself against that big imposing springbok forward pack at line out time, the big you know, the giraffe standing there at two, Fantastic, four and six, yeah. just bearing down on you, looking at you. Um, and every week at any level of football, subbies, park football, you know, premiership rugby, super rugby ever, set piece, scrum and line out, the functionality of that gives the team confidence. So if the Wallabies get good function and good uh, effective set piece with the scrum and line out and it's going to be under pressure line out time against the Springboks always is that's a given but our scrum because of what happened in the Bledisloe test um, where we conceded that push over whilst mm. we were down a man um, we packed way too high at engagement mm. time and we were never a chance to defend that so that's going to expose the the Springboks to really try and rip our heart out so Chibber's in for a hell of a hell of a game this weekend with Bismarck his brother uh, the beast, those boys bearing down, and they're going to try and put a freight train through the Wallaby forward pack. So, good way to test yourselves, good way to bounce back, see how this Wallaby group that is full of promise, and we know they're a good side, um, was was the week against the spring um, against the All Blacks um, an anomaly? Let's see, but um, pressure's building. Pressure is building. It is, and one more on that, I guess, looking back still is. Would you have anticipated or would you have made any changes to that forward pack other than obviously James coming in, as you say, somewhat through injury? But you know, would you have expected any other changes? Um, I was really pack? disappointed. I mean, yeah, I, Cliffy Parler has had a sensational mm. year, but he was really passive in that in that um, second test. Mm. 
there was an element of tiredness about the way in which the Wallabies played, and I don't know whether you know a, a cumulative effect of the season to that point had built up for some of those players, but some of them were very flat, and you know they've had two weeks off away from playing to freshen up. I'm sure the you know the sports science guys would have looked at the way in which the guys performed. All of them would have been down on their raw data in the way in which they put output into the game. I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, the Wallowies bounce back in a major way. Um, great, great test against the Springboks in Perth, which is, you know, the Springboks might question it that it isn't a home test for the Wallowies. It mm-hmm. could be, you know, <laughs> it could be the extension of South Africa, the Republic of South Africa in, in the west coast of Australia. But um, Perth won't they bit, say, yeah. <laughs> it's always a fantastic test over there. It's well supported. Um, they love their rugby in the West, and it's going to be a good contest. I mean, the Springboks have been scratchy. They just got out of jail against Argentina, but showed great character to fight their way back into that game. The Wallabies have got to show character um, and come out and be really effective from the very first whistle in the way in which they approach the game because. You give an opposition half a yard and half a sniff, then you're under pressure from the get-go, and we can't let them feel like they can get momentum. Yeah. All right, so you're confident? You reckon we can do it this week, mate? Well, I, I really do hope so. I think we we need to, to keep this momentum or to, to reignite this momentum that we had been building. Um, yeah, and, and it's been a fantastic year for Australian rugby. Um, Waratah's success. Yeah, we've... we've we played well in that first test to draw, but last week was such a disappointment, such a letdown that mm. I think that disappointment, the embarrassment potentially of it, the embarrassment of it, should see how good these guys are. And you know, we don't have an extended playing pool that we can pour, call upon to, to to replace a heap of blokes. So these guys are the ones that have got to do it. And it's always a good game, always an entertaining game. You know, for the for the Traditionalist, the set piece is always a good contest. Brutality against the Springboks, you've got to you've got to beat those boys up because they're going to try and do it to you. So that's a fantastic contest in itself. I think we've got the edge in the backs, um, but the backs will be subjected to what quality ball the forwards give them. So if the forwards get that, you know, that dominance or you know that physicality right, our backs I think will be looking to do something different, which. You know, on a fast pitch at Patterson Oval, the old Subiaco, um, and we've got a good track record there. I think, I, I do think there's confidence. There's definitely confidence we can bounce back. Well, let's hope so. And you, you, you mentioned before, Cano, that it's it's been a big year for Australian rugby, and it has. And uh, obviously, on the back of uh, a good end of year tour last year, we had this great winning streak. The Waratahs winning. Um, and some good things happening. One of the most exciting things that has, has really started a lot of chat on the forum is, is the NRC. If we can move to that now, this new National Rugby Championship. We've just finished week two of it. Have you had a chance to catch up on this, Kenna? What's your initial thoughts on it? Oh, I, I think it's a fantastic concept, and the AU's determined now, whilst well-documented financial troubles, you've got to love the fact they put their balls on the line, put the ghoulies out there, to fund this competition with the support of Foxtel, Pay TV, Foxtel want to sell it globally. The, the ITM Cup is, is televised in 22 countries around the world. That's what the NRC should potentially get to. And I love the fact that you've got a mixture of club footballers mixed in with some professional footballers and guys that are trying to find their way back you know, into the Super Rugby squads. And all the stats all the talk and all the coverage from all the games has been overwhelmingly positive that it's been played in a fast spirit, attacking football gets rewarded, um, you know, and guys that are daring to be different, but, you know, um, being brave and bold are getting the reward. And we're already hearing about guys that we've never heard about before, but they've been spoken about in such favourable terms. So there's so much to like about it, Reg. And I, I think the attendances have been pretty solid. Yeah. You know, we we're never going to shoot the, shoot the water out um, crowd-wise, but attendances have been really, really good. But I love the way in which the players that get interviewed and that you see on the TV and in the, in the, in the print media talk about it, everyone is loving the opportunity of playing in the Bill Corp NRC. And I just think, great concept. It's going to be here for a long time. And, you know, who, who, who knows? It could unearth some really amazing players. I think it will.
Yeah, it's interesting, mate. You, you do sense that genuine enthusiasm amongst the players and, and definitely the hardcore fans. Are, you know, it hasn't captured the imagination of the peripherals yet, obviously, but I, I think that'll come as, 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 as it moves on. Um, and you talk about the developing players. I remember the, the ARC back in or 2007 and uh, they had that great TV commercial. Generally, it was when Kurtley Beale and Ben Alexander and those games, guys came to fruition. If you're following the games now, there are certainly some of these young stars coming through uh, that you haven't necessarily heard about. Um, uh, the likes of Dargaville and, and uh, Sturzacker and these sorts of guys are coming through and they're playing some great footy. And it's, uh, it's great to see them obviously get this platform. What about the rules, Can I? I mean, are you a fan of these sort of rule, new rule challenges as to, I guess, as a way to, to stimulate a bit of different footy? Or, or should we be playing what the rest of the world's playing? Uh, I, I think anything that can make the game interesting. Um, if, if there's one criticism of rugby is that, my God, it's complicated in terms of the rules it has. You know, whatever happened to the way in which the game was played back in you know, 20 years ago, the Grand Slam Wallabies, you watch the quality of the football they played, it was pure, it was fast, it was exhilarating, but the rules were simple. We've got so many different interpretations, and every year there's always something else that comes out that gets added upon you know, the previous rule books or rule interpretation. And I love anything that can make it, you know, be a little bit of a twist. Why do what the Northern Hemisphere is doing? I mean, they play in pretty shit conditions. They play in wet conditions a lot, a lot of the year. Forward orientated play. We play on fast pitches. Let's reward the fact that if you're going to score tries and you're going to go out and attempt to score tries, you're going to get the bonuses out of it. So I love it. I love it. And I think the players are enjoying it. And the talk that the games are so much faster mm. um, than some of the Super Rugby games they played. How good is that? That's brilliant. That is outstanding. And it's only going to enhance and develop not just a good, genuine brand for rugby in Australia, but it just will... I think it will stem the flow of players wanting to go overseas and play in second and third division competitions you know, professionally somewhere to stay and play here because you always want to play in your own environment. And if you get the chance to, which this competition provides, it's going to be a good thing. So, yeah, all power to Bill Cook, the AAU... And for Fox for putting it together, I think it's a great concept. Yeah, it is. Now, here's another concept interesting for you, just a, a quick FYI. One of the, um, you know, we're innovators on Green and Gold Rugby and, and always thinking about ways we can improve, improve the game from our own perspective. And, and a few of the posters throwing around the thought of introducing the Rand Feely Shield or a similar concept to the, um, to the NRC. Um, and Fitzy, one of our most uh, hardened Western Sydney fans, he's... Uh, down there in New South Wales, who's a, a, a very, very enthusiastic fan, has come up with the concept of the Sean Mackay Shield or the Mackay Shield um, to be yep. to be implemented next year. Um, yeah, we're thinking you, know, you can't start it now. The season started, but present it to the uh, the the champions at the end of this year, and then the challenge system is on as they do with for the Logger Wood over in New Zealand. So they defended every home game, and the relevance of Sean Mackay obviously is a is a was a wonderful rugby person from a very much a rugby family but he he played club footy in Queensland he played for the Waratahs and played in Sydney for Randwick uh played for the Brumbies and he also played for the uh uh the Melbourne I think the Rebels in the 2007 ARC too so he effectively ticks off most of the states too what do you think about that Can I? not a bad concept I think it's a fantastic concept and if there's one criticism of professional rugby in Australia is how it disconnected itself and put itself above grassroots and without grassroots, none of the players playing professionally would ever be there. So if we can engage and stay connected in a really vibrant, you know, exciting way with, uh, with amateur footballers, amateur clubs, grassroots, grassroots, um, <clears throat> grassroots conditions, I think, mate, that's outstanding. <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. And I think it would build another layer of momentum to what this NRC is all about. And it's about giving opportunity to developing players and creating a rugby identity. And the Wallabies, whilst they're our flagship, aren't necessarily all about you know, rugby in Australia. If we can get multiple tiers of rugby that generates interest, community support, and gives everyone a sense of local identity in their community, how good is that? All Brilliant. power to it. Brilliant. Good stuff. All right, mate, look, we're going to let you go soon, but one more thing I wanted to get your, your, uh, your insight on is... Um, at, uh, on Friday night, it was finally announced that the Red Squad um, for next season. As a, as a uh, former Red yourself, what was your thoughts on that? Obviously, the big announcement were the confirmation that Carmichael Hunt will be around uh, for 
three years and James O'Connor has signed for two years. A couple of other new players signed uh, in um, well, young uh, Lele Fakasila from uh, Sunnybank. He's a, a, a monster of a kid at 18. Uh, but Hendrik Chewy, who's a, I think he's a, a Kiwi, but he's played for Japan 25 odd times. And uh, a, a young uh, fly half or, or a half from uh, the Broncos coming back from Rugby Duncan. I think it is, but uh, what's your thoughts on the squad, Cano, and I guess most notably those two big announcements? Oh, I think it's fantastic for rugby that, you know, James O'Connor's back in Australia, um, and I think he had to go away to appreciate what he'd given up, and he's now come back. All accounts, he's going to come back a more mature, uh, more responsible and accountable uh, individual. That's fantastic. So, you know, no one has ever questioned his rugby ability, but he's always been questioned about his team ethos, his cultural approach to a team environment. And let's hope James has learnt, you know, learnt significantly overseas what he needs to bring to a rugby team to, you know, to be a valued member. And I think you know, it, it all indicates that that is what's going to happen. Carmichael Hunt is really exciting. I mean, he, he's a fearless... He was fearless when he played for the Broncos. Um, and he was a pretty handy AFL player. Um, and he's obviously an exceptionally talented athlete, and I think the Reds are very fortunate to have someone of his calibre come on board because branding-wise, you know, it's not all about Kenny and Cooper anymore. It's Carmichael James. He's got, James got the four amigos, not yeah. the three. Um, <laughs> my only concern is they've got some fantastic backs. They've actually got a really, really good back line, but we don't have any big boppers no. in the tight five, no. and, and, and that was an area that I think the Reds really got shown up this year. Like, Never question uh, their workhorse, their, their, their tiresome and the way they work their way through a game, but they don't have a significant control or impact or they're not a dominant force. And you can have the A, you know, the a team uh, out the back, but if you've got the, the B team working out front, working away, but not being able to give you that platform to work from, it, it might not all happen. Um, that's my only concern. You know, um, I, I really think... It's evident now how much like a ridiculous Samo is missed yeah. from the Red. Um, yeah, he, he was such a fantastic player um, and was used so, so well when Neil McKenzie was the coach that he, he took players with him. We, we just don't have that big presence in the forwards at the moment, which is, is a bit of a shame, but you know, we'll, we will see. I'm pleased that the Reds have finally announced some positivity about mm. their season mm. for 2015 because... Everyone else was announcing who was coming to their franchise. The Reds was all they were announcing was who was leaving. Yeah, so, exactly. um, I'm pleased that there's been some, you know, they've returned, um, reversed the, I suppose, the flow and got some pretty significant names on board. But, mate, my question mark is, are they going to have the eight that's going to give that staff that back line the ball that they deserve? Yeah, well, it seems like they've got four spots remaining, I think, and they've only signed three props at this stage. So you'd think one, at, well, two, possibly at least one of those is going to have to be a prop. But that will all eventuate and we'll see how it comes. Can I finally... No, before, I know. Before you go, sorry, mate, you are also uh, another of these uh, HSBC ambassadors, mate. What's what's your role there involved? Mate, HSBC, the uh, Hong, Hong Kong Shanghai Bank Corporation... Um, <laughs> I'm involved with them. Um, I never knew what they stood for, to be honest, mate. I, I yeah, Hong Kong, Shanghai Banking Corporation. <laughs> um, mate, obviously, I've got a really good affinity with them. They were a major sponsor of Waratahs up until you know, a season or two ago, and yeah. they were the Waratahs sponsor when I was a player. <clears throat> Fantastic financial institution that obviously you know, can help you in, in a multitude of ways, but a really good supporter of rugby. And um, So this weekend in Perth, uh, I'll be there representing HSBC, um, obviously, a networking type event, you know, with key clients. But you've got to love a corporate a corporate sponsor that puts their money where their mouth is and and invests in the game. And you know, they're a fantastic supporter of rugby, um, not just at the Wallaby level, but across all levels of football. And you know, HSBC, you know, there's, there's options around, but I think you know, you. you you'd go um, a long way to find a better one than that. Oh, they're great. They've helped out us out a lot lately at Green and Gold Rugby with some great guests. And another one with you, Ken. So, look, we really appreciate your time. Have a, a great weekend over there in Perth, and we, we hope the Wallabies can uh, make the trip worthwhile for us all, hey? I hope so, Reds. But rugby Reds, outstanding work, a.k.a. the rugby, <laughs> the rugby master. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. We'll speak to you again <laughs> soon, mate. Bye, <laughs> mate. Right there, right there. And 
welcome back. And, and there we have it. That's the that's the word from an expert, the the Wallaby uh, veteran, Red Waratah and Brumby veteran Brendan Cannon. But let's put that aside. Let's put all that ex- expertise and years of experience aside, and listen to the people that re, that re, the opinions really count. And joining us first and foremost is the one and only Cyclopath, Dave. How are you, mate? I'm well, thanks, Reg. Yourself? I'm going very well, thank you. And a couple of debutants on the show. One for sure, Don, a.k.a. Kia, from the forum. Don, how are you going, mate? Joining us from Western Australia. Very good, uh, Reg. Yeah, good to join you. Yeah, thanks for coming along. And, and Joel, Joel joins us from South Africa, obviously very relevant to all things Springbok this week. Joel, have you been on the podcast before, mate? I have, but I was uh, impersonating Jake White at the time. <laughs> <laughs> You've just blown your cover, mate. Well, uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's go start straight with Joel, you, Joel, mate. We're going to talk about obviously the Wallabies and Springboks this weekend. Give us a bit of a run through the mm-hmm. Springboks, and we haven't really touched base about their form so far this year. We've focused on how um, hopeful we were for the Wallabies, and then how hopeless we are as Wallabies. So we want to turn it around this week. But you tell us about who we're facing and how they've been going so far. Well, I think there are two teams that are taking the pitch this week that really want to turn things around. Despite the fact that we're leading the competition and the fact that uh, we won last weekend against uh, Argentina at home, truth be told, we, we scraped a result there. We didn't deserve to win. We were beaten all over the park. And it's a testament to the team that they dug deep and scored a whole lot in the last couple of minutes. But, phew, I, I was really, really worried. Yeah, sure. So uh, what's your reading of the form? What are the issues with the team so far of not performing up to, I guess, the standards you'd expect or hope? Well, I've never seen a Springbok uh, team bullied on the field in the scrum like that before in my life. And I'm 40 years old and I've been watching rugby since the early 80s. So... It, it, it was horrible to see, literally horrible to see. We were popping up all over the park. It was awful, really, really, really awful. Um, that's going to have to be the first place that um, Heineke May is going to have to look, well, has looked this week to try and, and fix that. And to do that, uh, he's brought in uh, Adrian Strauss and uh, Beast back into the starting lineup. And I think that that's definitely going to help. I, I think Bismarck does not look happy at the moment. He's tired. But... If he's tired, then uh, basically uh, uh, Yanni Duplessis, who's played two years uh, nonstop, he's got well over a thousand rugby hours, top-level competition rugby hours this year so far. The poor guy must be a machine. I, I don't know what's keeping him going. He's, he's really, really uh, due a rest, but we, we don't have um, a lot of stock at tight head prop. In fact, we're kind of looking all over the show and kind of got adverts out in the local newspapers <laughs> and around South Africa going, <laughs> tight head prop needed, no, no experience necessary. Well, welcome to our world. I was going to say, you should have let us know. We could have gone in together. <laughs> Get two for the price of one. A bit of crowdsourcing. There's a, there's a very prominent... Yeah, there's a very promising kid in the bench called myself and Amirva from the uh, Bulls, but he's got very limited game time, and to kind of shunt him into top-level competition like this is, is not really fair on the kid. You know, props are like fine wine. They tend to mature a little bit later than everyone else in the field. So, uh, I mean, the, the cupboard's bare. So, Yanni Duplessis starts again, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got 80 minutes again this weekend. Yeah, is that right? That's a big call, isn't it? So, what, what's there's been a few changes to your team for this week. Do you agree with them? Are they going to help? solve some of the issues you've had? Um, uh, yeah, uh, there's a couple I agree with. There's a couple that I'm a little bit disappointed with, but I totally understand where Hari Kamei is coming from. The big one is, is that he's starting two uh, very mobile uh, flankers this week in Marcel Coutier and Francois Lowe. In fact, I think it's probably the first time in uh, uh, ever, maybe, that our Lucy's are going to be faster than yours. I yeah. mean, Australian Lucy's are well known for speed to the breakdown, but we've got two specialists who can play to the ball, who can carry, who can link their, you know, your, your kind of modern day hybrid flank. Mm. They're, 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 it's going to be very interesting. I, th- I think that um, uh, Scott Fardy's going to be showing up for pace a little bit, and, and that's kind of where I see Link having two mobile 
Lucy's on the bench. He's you know he's gone yep. for a six-two split yep. for, for you guys, and he's got two mobile Lucy's there. He's going to look to inject a pace probably around the fifty to sixty-minute mark, so that you guys can start hammering away at Channel One and trying to you know get some stuff together in the last twenty minutes. But I don't see I see us dominating the um, the points of contact quite significantly. Look, our, our team's going to be looking to dominate all over the field after last week's hammering all over the field. Bach rugby works well when we're, uh, you know, we're getting over the gain line, when our set piece is working. Then we can start to look looking what we play, what we call champagne rugby, but what you call, as Australians, normal rugby. <laughs> um, Dave, what about you, mate? So just looking at this Wallaby team and, and a couple of the changes, what stands out for you? What's, what's there now that's going to give us some hope for this weekend? Um, well, given that we haven't actually changed very much, it's um, and given that our last outing was so dire, it's it's hard to look at it and go, well, there are obvious things which are going to make a whole lot of uh, positive difference for us. Um, look, it's when you bring someone new in, I think like uh, Jimmy Hansen or Chiba Hansen, uh, he's he's obviously going to be fired up and um, that can probably work to his advantage, but he's, he's up against it. I mean, you know, Adrian Strauss is a quality opponent to come up against. Um, but but not, think, not just Strauss, but he's got to throw well, to Victor Matfield. You know, well, that, what a challenge. Cool. That was just one aspect of the set piece. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, was just about, Sorry, mate. I was just about to move on to the, the line-out, and, and uh, I have the Bok team uh, up on, on my screen in front of me, and I just... I keep trying to look at the whole team, but I keep getting stuck at four and five. Yeah. And I get a bit of a cold sweat because, you know, really, who wants to um, – we've just, just had to deal with uh, Retallick and Whitelock, <laughs> yeah. and uh, now we come up against Etzebeth and Matfield. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be – it's going to be – the set pieces are going to be tough. The box are going to be fired up because their scrum got dished by the Argentinians, but, you know – there's no shame in that. They'll probably do that to most teams. Um, but they're going to be fired up. So, they, I, you know, they'll be attacking set piece, both scrum and line out. And as Joel said, I think, you know, the the mobility of the back row and what they can do in the loose is, is potentially quite scary. I mean, um, Francois Lowe especially mm. is a terrific player. Mm. So I think, you know, there's... There's going to be some big challenges there, and it'll be interesting to see at what point, if at all, or I assume you'll get on, is um, that Hodgson comes into it. Yeah. Don, what about you, mate? Dave, or well, Joel's obviously fairly confident, and Dave hasn't exactly um, boosted our conf- level of confidence ourselves. Do you give us hope this weekend, mate? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, just uh, you know, if we go back uh, sort of three weeks ago, we're we were sort of looking pretty good there. So uh, obviously, um, you know, uh, just going off the last performance, yeah, they're not looking at that flash. But, um, um, yeah, I think if uh, if they could turn around some of the problems they had, um, you know, over in New Zealand, um, I, I'll, give them a, I'll give them a shot. I mean, South Africa haven't actually, you know, sort of been playing to their sort of, uh, um, I suppose, a game uh, so far either. So um, I think if uh, I think what, what Link was saying was that uh, he's sort of considering that as a as a you know a bad performance. Um, and very, very understated that Link, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and if they can you know, sort of get back to where they were before that, and uh, I think they've got. Uh, They've got to hope, and the, the, the couple of changes that they've made, I think, are the, are the right ones. Um, you know, admittedly, uh, the forwards are, um, you know, probably the, the, the foremost thing as far as playing against uh, South Africa. But um, you know, the, the backline changes, I think, needed, needed to be made. Did we go far enough of the forwards, Don? Do you reckon? Did we? You know, we haven't made any changes other than the one that was forced by injury with Chipper coming in. Did we go far enough? Would you have made any more? Uh, I'd probably. I think there's a couple of guys there who um, are probably on their last sort of, uh, um, you know, last chance. Um, Sam Carter, I think, um, um, 
sort of what didn't make much of an impact, but he wasn't alone. You know, the, the, the whole pack um, sort of uh, underperformed last time around. So I would have liked to have seen, um, you know, Big Will Skelton in there, but um, I think um, he had a bit of a game, half a, had a full 80 minutes, I think it was, in, in the NRC. Uh, they've obviously looked at him and thought, um, you know, maybe they're waiting to, to, for the RGs to give him a run, I suppose. But, um, but um, you know, I think this is sort of a um, the, the pack that you'd choose to, you know, it's not a gamble. You know, he's, he's not um, yeah. um, he's not taking a shot on, on putting Skelton as a, as a starter. And, um, and also with, um, you know, Kev, Kev Horwell. Probably could have been a starter as well there, but um, yeah, I, I actually, I probably am a bit surprised about that too. Like I, I thought he might have started just to get some a bit of a bit of extra experience in there, especially against you know that quality locking opposition. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's no doubt they'll come up coming off, and Joel's already mentioned it. Aggressive wise, I mean that's where the block the blacks want it, and many other places, but. If there's one place where the, the Springboks can match the All Blacks, it's, it's that aggressive style of play. And they'll be all over this. And some of our guys, without doubt, went missing versus the All Blacks. And Palu and Fardy and Carter and Simmons and Kepu and probably name most of them other than Hooper and Slipper. Um, so the box will step up again. And, you know, that someone like Horwell or, or even Higginbotham at least provides a bit of, uh, dare I say, X factor. Um, would have been strong considerations there, I'm sure. Joel, another, I guess, significant moment in this match, it'll, it'll be Brian Havana's 100th game. That's uh, a fantastic achievement. God, he's, he's someone I thought retired a few times in the past, but he's he's still going pretty strong. So surprisingly, he's had a relatively injury-free career. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. Uh, what most impresses me about him is that he's, his, his hunger for, for work on the field is enormous. Mm. Uh, and he'll be <clears throat> he's not just content to wait out there in the in the sidelines for the for the pass coming to him so he can go onto the pace he's he's coming to the ruck he's he's pushing hard in in the tight loose to try and break tackles he's he's just a phenomenon to watch i i i i don't think he has a peer in south africa in in terms of that on on the wing this this new kid we got cornell hendricks is really really interesting to me when, when I first saw him come into Super Rugby for the Cheetahs, I was not impressed. I thought, yeah, oh, here's kind of another, not a cart horse, but like a, a Caleb Ralph type guy. Oh, he does yeah. the right thing at the right time, but he's, he's not doing anything flash. But he just seems to manufacture something out of nothing. He really does understand wing play so that if he gets the ball up against the, the touchline, He's recycling it well. He's running the right line. He's pushing it back inside. He's, 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 he's always making ground. And that's, that's, that's something that South African wings have not been good at traditionally in the past. You know, we, 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 we kind of have a back line that looks really good on paper. They're all big boys. They're all fast. But they're, they're just shoveling the ball on. And then if you're running a drift defense against them, it's, it's really, really easy just to isolate them and push them out and, and you know, um, turn the ball over. But but this kid comes here and he's 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 got he's got moves. He really does have moves, you know, uh, kind of like a, a Lottie Takeri who who take the contact, keep pumping the legs, get an extra five yards out of it, and keep the game line going forwards. Well, that's great. Look, I'm getting me excited about watching the Springboks. So there's a lot of names there I'm not overly familiar with, so it's it's great to get that insight. All right, guys, we're going to go around the table quickly now, and I want to know uh, why your team will win, but where your biggest concern is. We'll, we'll, we'll go pretty quick on this. Um, and, and Dave, I'll start with you, mate. Where the Wallabies you think will win, how we'll win it, and but where your big concern is? Well, I think uh, I think we'll we'll win it if the forwards can get um, parity. I think with uh, Phipps and Foley, I think we'll get we may get some better front football, and I think potentially the back line's more dangerous. Um, but, you know, that's the big if. And I think my concerns, obviously, in, in the collisions and what happens in the forwards, um, whether that actually comes off. Um, I think we've got the potential to exploit. I think, you know, I think Jan de Villiers is a fantastic player. Jean de Villiers, sorry, fantastic player. But 
Um, I don't think he's been at his best this year. So I think there's some places to attack the back line. So I think that's where we can win it, surprisingly for an Australian team looking to win it in the backs. But, um, you know, very much dependent on, you know, our tight five particularly getting uh, really squaring up to, to the spring box. And that's going to be a big challenge. Yep. Don, what about yourself, mate? Yeah, I'd probably echo those uh, those comments. Um, the um, surprisingly, I think um, um, if anywhere that we're looking strong, it's it's um, in in the in the front row in the, in the props as far as scrummaging goes. We might have a shot there. Um, I think in, as as um, as Joel was saying, the back row is going to be a bit of a turnaround. Um, even Warren Whiteley for the Springboks on the bench, he's another sort of a a very mobile sort of guy coming on when uh, when Hodjo comes on. So I don't think we're sort of going to... Yeah, he's, he's a sevens a, player. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we're going to have it all our own way, you know, as in the typical games of the past. So um, the back line, I like um, Kurandrani in there, even though he's sort of, um, you know, hasn't played and he's been brought in because, uh, um, you know... Uh, because we have ASC no wings. Yeah, ASC had, had to move out to the wing. But I like that. He adds a little bit of go forward in the, in the back line there. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I'm with you, mate. Kurandrani's key to this, I think. We, we, we've lacked anyone who could bend the line for a while. I don't know what Park Palu's, um, whether he's feeling the effects of a full season. And I don't know. I'd be interested to see the stats. He played a lot of games for the Waratahs and, and whether his body's feeling it. Um, but, you know, we don't have the athletes at lock either. They're a couple of tall, skinny guys and, and hard workers, both of them, but they're not impact players that we've seen of the, the, um, the that we'll face this week and we, we faced a couple of weeks ago. But Kudrani is one that will, will provide that real um, line-bending quality that I, that I think is so important to this Wallaby team. So I, I'm particularly excited about yeah. him. I could understand the justification for the other selections, but I think he did so well for us last year in the end of season tour. I think he's an excellent aspect to this Wallaby team. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Joel? I'd agree with that, Rich. Oh, I'm glad. Three cheers all around. Joel, what about yourself, mate? You've talked about this this Bok back row. Is that the key for you guys? Um, I think it's one of the keys. Uh, I think that it's going to add a new dimension to um, the Bok play. Bok play is always relied heavily on great set piece and kind of given up the rucks and spread a defense out, trying to knock a, knock a person back in the collision with two mobile locks, like, I mean, locks with two mobile flankers like this. I don't see why we can't contest for the ball at uh, first phase and kind of mess up uh, one B possession at the point of rack or point of breakdown. Um, it, it's kind of, that's kind of giving me uh, confidence that we're going to see, Something quite interesting happened. I wouldn't be surprised to see the box try pick and drive it to smash the Wallaby pack backwards just to make the hard yards up and down the field. Uh, obviously, the, um, the line-out's going to be key for uh, offensive uh, play uh, in the last couple of 10 meters, in the last 10 meters, where we will be mourning it across your try line at least once this weekend. Um, Check. I yeah, tick, definitely. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, what's worrying me most is we're playing two 12s at 12 and 13, and, and that's purely as an answer to Kuradrani. Uh, I agree with you. I expect to see Foley hit the ball up to the line to try and get past Stain because Stain is well known not to be the best tackler in the world. But I also see him holding the ball up uh, until uh, he kind of uh, running towards the, the inside defense to try and lock it in place and have Kuradrani run onto the pace to, you know, kind of where that where your stand-up defense becomes drift at that kind of border. They'll have Kuradrani running hard at that point there to try and make a lot of yards there, if not score a good try. Uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, great servant. Uh, Izzy Falau. So you've got Kuradrani and Falau running onto the ball and um, Foley choosing who he can run to, both devastating runners. Uh, I expect to see some really good play coming from from that point there. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's set up to be a a, a cracker. I mean, our, our our combinations are not settled. We've got a new nine ten this week. We've got a new twelve thirteen. We've got uh, a new seven and eight and six. 
Uh, we've got a new one, two, three. In fact, we've got a new four and five as well. So <laughs> there's probably an easier way of saying that, job. <laughs> there is. I, I had to go through it in my head though to kind of reach that point. You've done well. Um, what a cracking match it's shaping up to be. One last question to do, to you, Don. You're over there. You're over in Perth, mate. What's the feel like? Is there any excitement building for this uh, amongst the locals? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, you sort of notice it just um, at the uh, the spirit game there that um, um, you know rugby's really sort of grown here in Perth now. So, um, um, and the fact that they've got um, you know quite a few of their guys from the force in the, in, in the squad now and starting. Um, uh, is um, yeah, it's it's uh, hopefully if the weather holds out, we we, we should get a good turnout at Subiaco. Oh, awesome. All right, well let's let's talk. We've got to move on to the NRC, and and if you just bear with us, Joel, this is our uh, this is you know we don't have this century old competition or traditional competition amongst the provinces and at the, your next level. This is our first year or our let yet another first year of our. Uh, next level of competition. We're going to talk about the NRC, which has been still fantastic rugby and a great second round we had um, this round. And why don't you, we go straight to you, Don, again, and you talk us through. You went to this Perth Spirit Brisbane game, and we'll keep it moving, but this yep. seemed to be the game of the round. Yeah, I think it was. It um, um, sort of really played at great pace, and um, um, they put on, I think the, the um, Rugby WA did a did, to, you know, a pretty good job in um, setting up the game day, and they've got a decent crowd there. And um, um, a close game, sort of only sort of uh, really decided, you know, you know, at the back end of the second half. So um, the um, probably one might be of interest to Joel. The two coaches for the Spirit um, are a couple of South African guys. Um, you got David Vessels yeah. and uh, Kevin Foot. And um, they oh, wow. brought over, um, you know, a number of players from um, University of Cape Town as well. So they've got a couple of South African guys in their side as well. Um, well, is, uh, that, is that your fly half, Dylan Leeds, is it? Is that, I'm not sure you Yeah, Dylan, Dylan uh, Leeds, I think. Is that where Dylan Leeds is? He's, uh, he's yeah. been fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they call him Quaid. <laughs> yeah, that ring Quaid. And um, there's another guy. Um, we'll take it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he, he was he had a he had a good game. And probably a guy who had it. His mate, um, I think it's uh, Marcel Braki. Yep. Another, another guy from uh, South Africa. So he, he was another guy in their back line. Um, Marcel Braish. Braish is it? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. He put on some good tackles, um, but probably for, for the spirit, um, uh, probably the outstanding guy was was Dane Hallett Petty, fullback. Um, and uh, he had some really good runs, um, sort of busting tackles, and and uh, um, and um, getting over the gain line, and and basically, um, Brisbane sort of just held in there, and and um, Nick Frisby, the, the, the scrummy, yeah, uh, um, controlled the game for them with with, with the uh, you know sort of judicial kicking, and they just hung in there, and and, and with good defence, and uh, eventually sort of. You know, probably had a little bit more composure and managed to um, get a sort of a, a turnover and, and ran in a 90 metre try at the end there to, to steal the game. So, well, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great game. I was watching the updates and obviously seeing the highlights, and you can watch the full game on, on the ARU's YouTube page. But it's, it was an interesting round, and I think it's probably reinforced uh, who the top teams of the competition are. The Vikings on the Thursday night TV game doing a number on the Greater Sydney Rams. Um, Queensland country going down to New South Wales country down there on the Gold Coast. Uh, that country team's a good-looking team. I don't know if, Dave, you've got to have a chance to see any of them, but they just looked a, a really well-drilled team as much as anything, a very well-coached team. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of them. I've, 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 unfortunately, last weekend, various circumstances, I didn't get to see much. Yeah. But um, from what I've heard, you know, the country team's doing all right. I mean, probably the, the teams that have been a bit uh, disappointing down in the New South Wales area have been... Well, the stars who have been mm. anything but um, who got pummeled again in the yeah. the, the battle of Sydney Uni, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which um, 
it was one of those games where, you know, nobody could lose that one because you got to see Sydney Uni lose one way or the other. Um, and that's from me as a Sydney Uni supporter. Um, no, look, I mean, there's been, they've been fairly disappointing. So, But it's it, what the flip side's been, it, it's been great to see what some of these other teams are doing and, you know, to, to actually look at how teams are going that are actually being coached maybe better as a team rather than a collection of individuals. Um, I mean, perfect example was the way that Will Skelton was used in that mm, game, that yeah. he was kind of just, well, give it, give it to Will, park him there, and there didn't seem to be a plan. He was just sort of popped out in midfield and do something. And, well, it, it doesn't really work if there's no one doing anything around him, and, and it didn't work. So that probably didn't help his selection chances this weekend. So, um, you know, that's a perfect example of where things are not particularly working. Yeah, but, exactly. look, the, the competition's great. And, I mean, I, I suppose the other thing, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, was the other thing which is worth a couple of minutes maybe is the the initiative regarding the the, the trophy or the shield. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk us through it, mate. I... Oh, well, I mean, you know, look, I think it's it's a... It's a real grassroots movement, which is actually terrific in, in light of this competition and particularly being pushed forward by our, our own Fitzy, who's um, never backwards in coming forwards. And um, thankfully, it's getting a lot of traction. He's got some good support from uh, ex-Wallabies and, and noted players, particularly Morgan Turanui. And, you know, we've got um, – we're getting a bit of um, a bit of a vibe from the ARU that maybe this, this could go somewhere. So – I think it's a really it's a really great idea to try and link, you know, a player who was hugely respected as a great club man and a great just a great rugby man in Sean Mackay, um, uh, with with a trophy like this and 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 it sets something up which is enduring. So I think it's a fantastic initiative and hopefully hopefully it gets it it flies. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's brilliant and, and we'll continue on. So wrapping up the rest of the games that weekend, uh, the last one was that Melbourne Rising who pumped the stars. So it sets out a great. Uh, week this week we've got North Hubble Rays taking on New South Wales Country Eagles tomorrow night Thursday night as the TV game but again the match of the round should be this Brisbane City versus Melbourne Rising on uh, Saturday afternoon at Ballymore so uh, hopefully they'll get a, a significant crowd there it's unfortunately conflicts with uh, one of the biggest schoolboy games going around when Nudgee could take on Terrace but still should be a great game there at Ballymore and that's Melbourne obviously top of the ladder and Brisbane City are number three uh, we should see Will Genia come back in that game. I think Liam Gill as well. So some Wallabies coming back for Brisbane as well. Uh, the Vikings take on Queensland Country. And, geez, the, the country boys will be hoping the wings don't get the ball because it looks like uh, Joe Tamani and, and um, Henry Spate will be playing on the wings for the Vikings there. And uh, then the Perth Spirit taking on the Rams in Adelaide, of all places, on Saturday uh, afternoon as well. So, you know, there's so many things about this tournament to, to, to look forward to, and that Adelaide experiment will be another one. So we hope uh, hope that's a, that's a big success down there. Um, and that's the NRC. Uh, the other real news this week is uh, the Reds announcing their squad, or albeit most of their squad, and confirmation of the big two names being Carmichael Hunt and James O'Connor. Dave, you've got an opinion on this, mate. What's your thoughts on Jock? Oh, look, I don't want to, don't want to get too carried away, but I, look, it just, I had to laugh this week as as soon as it all gets announced. I mean, you know, the circus winds up and the clowns start coming out every time. Unfortunately, James O'Connor gets mentioned in Australian rugby. You know, um, there's the much trumpeted but much telegraphed signing. Um, that he's coming over for apparently for two years, but um, that very much depends on which Frenchman you ask. <laughs> um, so once again, nothing seems to be straightforward and easy when he's involved, and you know everyone's a bit up in the air. And you know, I just it just sort of baffles me that um, either his management or the AAU or the Queensland Rugby Union or all of them can't kind of work out what the hell's going on because. I don't think it helps anyone to have this this kind of circus atmosphere that goes on around everything that he does. Um, and the, what, somebody should be coming out and clarifying what the hell's going on. Because to be honest, you know, if if they don't really know and it's up in the air and he might be there for one year and he might bugger off again, I've got a question in the logic of that. Is it worth it? I agree, but it, it is bizarre situation. And I, I think 
you've just got to hope that the ARU and, well, I guess it's all the QAU in the right position because it is a circus over there, whether it be, you know, French rugby as a whole or James O'Connor himself. It's just a bit ludicrous. Um, look, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. It's been a big show. We've obviously had Cano uh, on for the first half and, and now you guys, and uh, it's going to be a great weekend of rugby Springboks versus Wallabies over there in Perth. It's always a great event uh, at those West Australia games. Um, another round of the NRC. Uh, so plenty to watch, plenty of look to look forward to. Joel, to you, mate. Thanks a lot for giving us your time and giving some in- insight onto that Springbok pack and uh, and team. Best of luck on Saturday night, mate. And the best of luck to you guys. It's, I think it's going to be a cracker of a match. I hope it's going to be dry. Has anyone got a, a, a handle on the weather? You can hope. You can hope all you like, but apparently it's going to be wet. Yeah, that's what I hear. Oh, bugger! <laughs> that's that's very disappointing to hear. It is. Don, uh, mate, getting are you getting to the game? I, I assume you are, mate. Don, are you getting along to the test match? Yeah, yeah. I think Don's yep. gone. Are getting out there? So. Oh, there he is. Yes, I am. Yeah. Excellent, mate. Well, enjoy the occasion, mate, and cheer nice and loud and, and wear your gold. And to Cyclo, um, we'll uh, catch up with you soon enough. Hopefully you get out there and uh, enjoy the NRC thing, mate. Yeah, well, and the, hopefully the Wallabies win for me. It's my birthday on Saturday. Oh, so happy birthday, Dave. Yeah, let's do it for Dave. Let's get I'll that. Be, that's right. Yeah, do it for Dave. Hashtag exactly. do it for Dave. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks do it for Dave. Time. Happy birthday. <laughs> thanks for Take your care. time, everyone. We'll see, see you all soon. Cheers, Reg. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, right there, right there.